voice and grow. And then I think Larry Page would tell you that on the side, he wouldn't mind saving the world. (laughs) (laughs) Molly Wood is our senior tech correspondent. Thanks a bunch, Molly. My pleasure, Kai. All right. We'll talk to you soon. The big political story today, of course, is the Iowa caucuses. The big political story of tomorrow comes to us via the political money story of today. The latest campaign fundraising numbers filed on deadline by the campaigns last night. The numbers are about what you'd expect if you've been following things so far. Clinton and Sanders leading on the Democratic side. Rubio and Cruz for the Republicans. Donald Trump mostly using his own cash. About which cash, that is, this item from Marketplace's Kimberly Adams about how much cash the campaigns have on hand and what that can tell us about what those candidates might be able to do after tonight. How much cash to keep on hand is a tricky balancing act for campaigns. David Primo is a scholar at the Mercatus Center and a professor at the University of Rochester. It's a bit like saving for retirement, right? You don't know exactly when you should be spending money. You don't know exactly how much you need to save. There's a lot of uncertainty involved. Spend too much of your cash on one race, and then you might win but not have enough to keep going. But spend too little, and Primo gets worried. My sense is that a candidate doesn't want to hold back on spending if it could lead them to a defeat that's going to change the tide of the campaign. In other words, if a campaign's cash is getting low, they had better win soon. Robert Boatwright teaches political science at Clark University. Candidates with the cash and with the expectation that they're going to stick around can use that money to plan ahead. For example, using the money to ramp up their campaign in the next primary state. But there are quite a few candidates in this field who have very little cash on hand, very low poll numbers, but a whole lot of hope. I think the numbers give us a snapshot about who's doing well, but it doesn't necessarily give us a snapshot about who is going to do well. John Hudak is a senior fellow at the Brookings Institution. And I think the reality come Tuesday morning is going to be pretty clear for at least three or four candidates. But as any presidential candidate and Tupac Shakur know, reality is wrong. Dreams are for real. In Washington, I'm Kimberly Adams for Marketplace. Iowa and Tupac, how about that? The first trading day of February was pretty much a wash. We'll have the details when we do the numbers. All right, changing gears here for a minute. After the Civil War, freed slaves settled in an area of Savannah, Georgia, known as Frogtown. Got its name from the frogs that came out in the neighborhood after it rained, and it eventually became a thriving black business district. But in the early 1960s, the state condemned the area, and the federal government built an interstate highway overpass where those black-owned businesses had once stood. Now, though, Georgia Public Broadcasting's Gabrielle Ware reports that some of the residents are making it their mission to tear that overpass down. Three women in their 70s and 80s load into a white SUV to take a trip to the place they grew up. Lifetime Savannah resident Leona Lang maneuvers her cane into the back seat. Daddy? Yeah. So I get this leg up. Pull it up, sister. She may not be as agile as she once was, but Lang remembers the streets she used to call home. Martin Luther King Boulevard, formerly known as West Broad Street, is their first destination. You wouldn't be able to tell it now, but it used to be booming. Umax store, you had Parker's grocery store, you had Willie Chin Laundry, you had Mr. Cracklin that had a store. 
Now an overpass towers over what used to be several city blocks. It exits in the middle of a street line with vacant lots and fast food restaurants. Again, Leona Lang. Houses were long here. I once lived in a house that was right here. They're building some more villas or something down here. Yeah, they're they, they coming up. They're building another condo. That's Justine Winford chiming in. She remembers the closeness of the old neighborhood. Everybody was your mother. Everybody. We, we didn't have a telephone, but Mama know what I did on the hill before I got down in the bottom. <laughs> and I never figured out how she knew, but she did. You can hear her longtime friend Essie Williams laughing at her story in the background. Many Asian and Jewish immigrants also own stores in the area. In fact, one of the oldest Jewish cemeteries is tucked away off the main road within Frogtown limits. Even though it dates back to the 1700s, the secluded site draws few visitors. Today, wealthier areas.